Daily Talk Show, episode 308. How are we? Cyan Taid is in the building. How are you? Good, how are you? Yeah, very good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's funny to finally be on here yeah. after so much time of listening. Yeah, so, so you, have you watched? Because it's a different, it's, it looks like a different thing, like it's a different world. I've listened. I've okay. listened on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now yeah. you've transported into our set here. I have. I have. It's very professional. Have you given us five stars yet or no? I haven't. No, that's I'm okay. sorry. No, I'll no, do no. that when no, I get no, home. No, no, You're no, like no, an no. Uber driver, Josh. <laughs> Always wanting the five stars. No, that's okay. Yeah, it is a little bit needy, isn't it? I feel like I can be needy with you. Yeah, yeah you can be. We know each other well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, TJ, Cyan Taid, what do you know of Cyan? Well, um, other than how you speak so highly of Invato and the times mm. I've spent in Invato, which I've never seen you there, but <laughs> you are one of the founders alongside your husband and mm-hmm. a friend. Mm-hmm. And I went down a rabbit hole last night of watching some of your old videos, the moments of when you first started this. And it's interesting to sort of understand where you guys are at now. I used Invato before I even knew Josh. Mm-hmm. I was Thank you you know, for downloading your some, mm-hmm. uh, some music and all that stuff. But then sort of to see the journey you've gone on, you wouldn't know. I mean, you're seeing this online business, mm-hmm. but you're not sort of getting engaged with that. And I really did. I hope today we can explore a bunch of that stuff, which it's, it's so crazy where you've, where you've come from the garage mm. of starting Invato. What, I mean, Josh and I were speaking yesterday about where we're at on our journey, which is mm-hmm. the very start. And there's a time where we're like, we're a bit embarrassed about where we're at, but we know where we want to go. I made TJ uh, light a candle before you came <laughs> into the office because I just said, the office fucking stinks. The <laughs> aircon doesn't work very well. We're having cyan over. It was either light the candle or blame it on Mr. 97. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, it doesn't smell at all in here, okay, to be oh, clear. Great. And I actually Good. came in and I was like, wow, this is a cool space. Oh, great. Yeah. It's got, it, it leans towards grunge Collingwood. Mm. But that, that's what we that's all we can hope for, I guess. See, the interesting thing in watching Josh's journey is I just feel like he's gotten cooler and cooler as he's yeah. gotten older. He's yeah. found his personal style. He's just very yeah, basic. I, what? It's very basic the style though. It's just like keeping it very minimal. No, you're I just guess. you're just super cool these days. Whereas I feel like you were cool when I when I met you personality wise, yeah. but your personal style you weren't as like comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. I think comfort, definitely. How have you, how much have you felt that you've developed from a style point of view and a, just a comfort of being yourself. Me? Yeah. Um, I think I felt like for a long time, because Invato was growing really quickly mm-hmm. and you needed to manage all these people and you needed to seem like you knew what you were doing, that I often felt like I had to kind of play a role as opposed to just being me. Yeah. And so I'm as I get older... I'm trying to just be me more. And mm-hmm. Collis always said to me, like, I'd get super stressed out before I'd go do, like, hard panels mm-hmm. or speaking engagements with intimidating people. Mm-hmm. Um, You're and on a hard panel today, by the way. I am on a hard yeah, panel, a, yeah. The hardest panel. It's um, got the panel vibe, doesn't it? <laughs> it <does>. And, um, <laughs> and Collis was always saying to me, it's okay if you don't know anything. You can only be – it's okay if you don't know everything. Probably if I didn't know anything, <laughs> it would be a problem. But um, it's okay if you don't know everything. Mm. Um, you can only – be you and it's all right to have strengths and it's all right to have weaknesses. So mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten more comfortable with that as time's yeah. gone on. Yeah. I heard a great line recently, hindsight is crystal clear. Mm. And so, you know, where you're at now, looking back to that time of in the garage, it's like we're, we're in the garage essentially. Mm-hmm. But how much difference in where your thinking is at now versus then? Has there been a heap of shifting or is it, you know, that still same person from the garage with your hubby and a best no, mate? No, no, I feel like I'm a completely 
different person. Yeah. And to be clear, our garage was a lot less impressive than this is. This is way more, <laughs> way more impressive. Um, look, I think you really evolve a lot over time. And I think what's interesting about entrepreneurship or about what, you know, about in, in its broader sense. So I would count what the two of you are doing as entrepreneurship. What's interesting about it is that you grow and you change and you evolve very quickly. It's like accelerated learning. And it is kind of like, all right, well, really the exercise is I'm trying to solve these really meaty, difficult problems to solve. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stretch myself to my absolute limit in order to see if I can actually do it or not. Along the way, you you learn a lot about yourself. Mm. Mm. I mean, you've lost the hat, Josh. I saw in some of the videos that you made when you worked in Vardo with Sai, yeah. you had your backwards cap on. Yeah, I uh, think I was going through a, a <laughs> stage of – well, I think my hair – like we were mentioning before the show about my hair – is this still like a hair segment? <laughs> it's, got a, it's got that vibe, but you know, like we've got insecurities. For, for me, my insecurities in my hair, in my mm-hmm. scalp. I think I've got a very sort of D grade scalp. <laughs> D grade like, scalp. Yeah. What's an A grade scalp? Just a to grade, be clear. I think Tommy, you've got a very good amount of hair. I think yeah? that if you cut it more, because Tommy's got a mullet at the moment. Well, I'm is, I'm growing a full man bun, so it's just at you? a point where That'll it's just it's very annoying. Can you show what it's yeah, looking like at the like, moment? Show like, the back. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, so the back, oh, it's, it's a real party up the back there. But I can nearly put it, could it back. Could be worse, is what Cyan <laughs> said. There's a. <laughs> no, it can always be worse. Yeah, yeah. no, it's not. It's it not could bad. be worse. Look yeah. at this. And so, no. so I think that definitely I was uh, self-conscious about my scalp and my, uh, and so I would wear a hat. Yeah. The the problem is that it feels like it's even a hat is even worse because then it doesn't have time to breathe and it just gets. Uh, are you worried about your scalp or are you worried about the fact you're balding? What, uh, what it's is maybe it? a bit of both. No, actually, the balding doesn't bother me at all. Okay. I'd prefer to completely shave. At the end of the Envato trip that I did, I mm. shaved all my hair and Brie was, like, not happy about oh, it. Oh, really? Because yeah. I love it. Yeah, so shaved I, hair. Love a shaved head. Well, your hubby has a shaved head. Collis has got a shaved yeah. head. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I it, And, you know, like, kind of all the shaved head men... <laughs> Jeff Bezos, <laughs> the big Jeff Bezos fan. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, like um, like Bruce Willis and The Rock, oh, yeah. and you know, the like bro- shaved heads. I I like a shaved head. Yeah, Is, sure. And I have a theory: men with shaved heads really like me because I have a lot of hair. <laughs> so I have a theory: it's like this subconscious trying to kind of even out the like. Gene pool. Yeah. Thing. Well, maybe that's even plays into like I lack – I was saying how I lack eyebrows. You, <laughs> Do you like women with big you, Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's part of it too is like, yeah, someone who doesn't have much of a brow. That's yeah. what even like Mr. 97 who we've had uh, – he's been on the dating scene and all that sort of thing. I've been uh, picking people where I'm like, oh, I think she'd be great for you and all that sort of thing. But in some cases maybe – I think that maybe Mason looks too much like that. Like he'll be like not as into one person or another person and maybe we're attracted to like the opposites. Uh, yeah, I think so. We all have our types. Yeah. Mm. What do you think, 97? Mm-hmm. I've wanted to spring his dating <laughs> session <laughs> early. Mason's, Mr. 97, he's got bamboo hair. That's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's good. It's a what thick. What do you mean bamboo hair? Like it, you should see it. Like we've realised it. Yeah. it could got actually, got it could perm that <laughs> and it could go up into just a, just yeah. afro. Yeah. yeah anyway. That's what he's got. That's what he's equipped with over there. Anyway, moving, <laughs> moving on from the hair stuff because <laughs> okay, I know we could spend a lot of time, yeah. time on it. Sydney versus Melbourne, mm-hmm. you, you were living – like when it all started, you, went to, you were living in Sydney. Yep. Why did you decide to go to Melbourne and do you ever have mo- – I feel like friends who 
did the move from Sydney to mm-hmm. Melbourne, they sort of spend a lot of their life, especially in winter, complaining about, oh, I should be in Sydney right <laughs> now. Do you I have that say, relationship? I miss the weather and the beaches. I really do. Mm-hmm. Everything else, and obviously my family and my good friends, but yeah. everything else I love about i think melbourne's a far superior city i think it's a friendlier city mm-hmm. i really do people in melbourne mm-hmm. are friendlier than they are in sydney um people in sydney are lovely but there's yeah. just a warmth yeah. that you get from strangers in melbourne that i've just noticed you don't get in sydney and i think in melbourne what i really love about it is that it's cool to care it's cool to be obsessive about what you do yeah which i don't think is cool in sydney yeah. i think in sydney it's a bit less about you don't want to try too hard in Sydney? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely not go well in Sydney. My wife's from Sydney. I grew up mm-hmm. here. I moved mm-hmm. up to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, that's a place that like Atlassian, the founder lives there. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it has a feel about it like New York or London, like mm. big city. What, in, from a business point of view, mm. Melbourne, what's mm. the advantages of having the company run out of Melbourne? Well, look, I think, you know, we, we ended up in Melbourne by accident. So mm. we had this amazing dev we were working with at the beginning of Invato to build it. Um, and then he moved back to Melbourne while we were travelling overseas. So after Invato kind of turned into kind of kind of being able to pay our salary, we travelled for 18 months and worked on it while we travelled, which was really fun. But in the meantime, this dev, he moved back to Melbourne to be closer to his family and then he was like oh I kind of need some help and we're like well hire you know once just hire one of your friends yeah kind of need a bit more help hire another one of your friends and then we got a phone call going look you've got an office in (laughs) Melbourne (laughs) can you come back you probably should be here to run this thing so we came back and we thought well we'll settle here for now it'll be a fun adventure and and now we've got two businesses here and our kids Mm. are in school and we're here. Yeah. It's just we didn't think it through. I'm glad it worked out, but yeah. we really did not think through the gravity of that decision. Yeah. Did yeah. the first the first employee the actual mm-hmm. jump of paying someone's like salary, mm-hmm. super, all of that sort of stuff was that a big decision? Did it feel like one at the time? Uh, no, we just needed help. We yeah. we couldn't <laughs> build. We couldn't build, um, you know, back then it was the, our first product was Flashden, which yeah. I, was a terrible name. Um, <laughs> did, but you, did Adobe actually send a cease and desist or what was the – because it changed mm-hmm. from Flashden to ActiveDen. So yeah. you sold Flash assets. Mm-hmm. What, was the, what was the catalyst for changing the name? Adobe sent a cease and desist. Yeah. But mm-hmm. even, look, it was a terrible brand name. It was a shocking <laughs> brand name. And I remember I have this memory of, you know, having this check – to Flashden and going into the bank and the teller going, Flashden, what is it you do? And I said, oh, we have an online <laughs> an online business. And she thought it was a porn site. <laughs> she <laughs> goes, Flashden. Yeah. And he's a, a Flashden. Yeah, it's got that. Flash a den, den as well. Yeah. A den just a sounds den. filthy. It sounds so dodgy. Yeah. Yeah. She looked at me like she was appalled yeah. by me. Um, and, and I didn't quite know how to explain it. And it was super awkward. But, you know, I've gotten a bit better at branding over time. But, yeah, yeah. it was not a, great, not a great brand name. Do you, it feels like... Mm-hmm. Uh, you and Collis are very understated with, you know, the amount of success you've had versus how you walk in the world. You're not mm. super flashy. Has Even from a brand level, like that's when I went on that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. that's where I was like seeing the scale of how many people you've, you know, shared money with, you know, that yeah. your business has allowed people to flourish in their worlds, in their lives around the world. Like that's the understated part that, mm. I mean, I, I don't know how much you're wanting to just shout that around. I think... You, you probably wouldn't. I would. Yeah, I, really, yeah, I know yeah, you absolutely. would. Absolutely. Like as soon as <laughs> as soon as that happens. But the thing is, I but I feel like I've changed perspectives based on. I just remember 
once uh, uh, we were hanging out and then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm off. And then I was like waiting for my Uber and you were like going off to the tram. <laughs> just, like, yeah. just gave like a real perspective into what I, maybe I should be. Dude, you, when was the last time you were on a tram? Uh, trams just give me anxiety. <laughs> so I just sort of avoid them. I like the sound of trams, I like being outside of like at where we live now near Smith Street. You can hear the trams drive like going past at night. It sounds awesome. And I hear like the beep, 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 like all mm-hmm. the closing doors and stuff. But the idea of being in it and just like understanding the routes, I think if I understood the routes. Do you, do you still use the tram? Yeah, I yeah. take the train to okay. and from work every day. Oh, really? Yeah. See, so, yeah, I think that's great. I, I well, sometimes get the bus up to where we are. It's, oh, yeah. it's just one route, one bus. <laughs> when have you <laughs> taken the bus to here? When? You drive Within, every day. I, I, I did no, the other week. When? No, the other week. I legit got did here the once other week. and now you're flexing. And then I was doing it quite a bit before we started our business. Mr. 97 catches the bus every day. Yeah. So if anyone's getting the praise, it should be Mr. 97. <laughs> But no. have, you, have you ever had, I feel like one of the benefits of being understated mm-hmm. is when you want to flex it counts. So someone, like in a situation where people care about that thing, yep. like they care about status, they care about success, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. have there been any moments where someone's treated you like a bit of shit or whatever and then even though it's uncomfortable to do because mm-hmm. you don't want to have your value in that yeah. but you've been able to flex it and made them like be like haha don't think about that shit because like <laughs> have you ever have you had moments you need of that? to pay attention to me now yeah like you know you do have situations where people maybe aren't being that nice i mean yeah. you and i had a situation once where we were trying to hire an advertising agency oh, yeah. and they kept on talking you were sitting at the head of the table just randomly and they kept on pitching to you it was not random not to me. he did it on purpose <laughs> <laughs> it was a power, yeah, it was play a pa- power move by me <laughs> just a real presence maybe it was the snapback hat that got them yeah. <laughs> maybe a- throughout the whole meeting the like the guy is working for the lead guy is going like you know fuck yeah, you know yeah. like <laughs> Talk to her. Yeah, she's yeah. the per, you know she's the boss of this up. project. I've got no money. <laughs> <laughs> and and you just couldn't stop pitching to you because you were a guy at so the table, funny. even though you're so much younger than me. Yeah. And he knew logically that yeah. I was the person who was the decision maker. Just emotionally, he was like, "Do you think it's unconscious to him?" No, totally unconscious. Yeah. I don't think he intentionally did it at all. Yeah, but um, I think he was wearing. A, I think what I remember of him, he was mm-hmm. wearing one of those. Hats like that my pa used to wear, which I really respect. You know those. Yes. Like, was he wearing one of those? He was hats? wearing okay. one of those hats. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was. Okay. He was a cool guy. Yeah. Um, no, but to answer your question, you know, I did a. Um, there's this thing, lifestyles in inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, Collis is always teasing me. I say inventory, and I just can't stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, so don't I'm do just, that. Yeah. <laughs> inventory. Inventory. <laughs> it's just one of those words in my mind. I think because I learned to spell it that way when I was a, like young. Yeah. Inventory. In- anyway, um, <laughs> I say bassiness. <laughs> Do you really? No, no, no tables. Bass in. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's basically this thing, and it, it kind of has a, a spectrum of eight different qualities you might have, and in what percentage in terms mm-hmm. of your leadership style. Yeah. I'm in fact extremely competitive. Oh really? I'm an extremely competitive human, and I think that because I don't like that about myself, I try very hard not to appear competitive. So I don't tell people about my mm. work stuff because I, I feel like it kind of would 
be competitive, which oh. I think is a really unappealing well, and unpleasant quality that but, I have. But is it more an unpleasant quality to hide it all? Because I do remember... <laughs> you need to tell me if it is. Well, because... There <laughs> You've w- got to have a tell. Well, how about this? My uh, One of my best friends in school, we sort of mm-hmm. drifted apart in year nine. Mm-hmm. But he would say to me, he's like, oh, yeah, man, I haven't studied for the test at all. Haven't studied, yeah. Man, it's going to be so hard, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would be like, yeah, I haven't studied either. And I wouldn't study. Mm-hmm. And then he would end up getting an A and I would get like a C. Because he secretly studied. Because he was secretly Ah. studying. And not only that, but he also had – him and I were both uh, fat kids and we both had weight issues. And when we would go – when I'd go to his house and stay over, he would give me soft drink and then he Mm. wouldn't drink any. Well, that's just frenemy territory. Yeah, it does have that vibe. I don't feel like that's the same. I would never do that to someone. (laughs) so how what I mean, is I d- what's uh, how do you I do send a lot of chocolate home for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's all coming that. out. Yeah. All, well, people don't probably understand the the chocolate thing if you're new to Cyan. Hey, ti- <laughs> well, they probably know the brand Hey Tiger if you're in Melbourne. But uh, how did you go from uh, having Envato, one of the biggest online digital marketplaces, to deciding to be a chocolate pusher? Um, So I'd been doing Invato for 14 years Mm -hmm. and while it was still really interesting um, and I still, you know, enjoyed it a great deal and feel very attached to it, what you do day to day in a company of, you know, 500 people plus is very different to what you do in a startup. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, doing a lot of things which were interesting from a point of view of can I do this? It's challenging and it's, you know, useful for the business, but it wasn't stuff that I was like, oh, I love Mm -hmm. this. I love early stage startup. I find that really interesting. I love things which are visually creative and exciting. Um, What feels like early stage for you? Like when I came into the business, Mm That would have been, what, 2013 or something, mm-hmm. around that time. Mm-hmm. How did that – you were – I think they were you were hiring 70 new roles. It mm-hmm. was the – you had just moved into the new King Street office. Where did that feel like to you in regards to startup phase? I still felt like that was a bit scrappy, mm. which I think I find – I find a bit scrappy mm. interesting that you've just got to kind of figure that out. You can't hire specialists for everything. So yeah. the stuff you and I did together – we did uh-huh. heaps of stuff yeah. together at Envato, which was really – I'd be like, all right, we've just got to figure this out. Yeah. And it's, and and it's I enjoyed that to too, figure right? it out. Because it's also, it's also You're treating – You're very good at that. Well, I mm. think it treats uh, employees like they're – like I felt like it was my mm. business. Like I was able mm. to like – hustle with things and make things happen and make decisions and mm. move quickly and I think that it was all of a sudden you have so much more of a vested interest when you're doing it that you're way. You're very entrepreneurial though. Mm. You're very entrepreneurial. So people I found either really like working for me because they're very entrepreneurial yeah. and I give them a space to be mm. really like that or mm. they want to know exactly what they have to do every day and then they hate working for yeah. me. Yeah. So how did you get to Hey Tiger? So Oh, sorry. Um, no, that was me. <laughs> We go everywhere. So um, what I – what I, you know, so in Vato, the core value is when the community succeeds, we succeed. There's a really heavy focus on impact. So the focus in the business is less on revenue for the business in se- itself and although, you know, we pay, you need to pay attention to that. Yeah. But in terms of what our focus is, it's how can we get to $1 billion of community earnings on our marketplace. And we're getting – you know, that should be fairly soon that we get there, which mm-hmm. is really exciting. Um so the focus really is around the community, impacting the community, which I find really exciting. Mm-hmm. I also think that 
there's a, you know, a lot of people say don't talk about luck with, you know, business success and yada, yada. And I agree with that. You've got to make your own luck. But also, I've seen so many startup founders now where the market just hasn't gone their way, mm. a big competitor came to get them, whatever it might be. The fact that we were able to bootstrap Invato, get it to the point where it was large enough that it was first to market in a variety of different areas and that still to this day no big competitors come after us yeah. is like a one in a billion type of thing that occurred. Yeah. yeah. What does bootstrapped mean to you in regard? What did that actually look like? Is it like pulling your own savings? Is it yeah. asking friend, like parents for cash using credit cards? What is the reality of bootstrap? We did all those things. Mm-hmm. So we used all of our savings and we worked doing freelance every day during business hours and the evenings and on the weekends we worked on, you know, developing this business and we we um, borrowed 15K from Collis's parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We maxed out our credit cards and we ended up living in my parents' basement. What's the, How much has the startup culture to, in today, 2019, changed from, you know, that getting venture capital seems popular right now mm. and, you know, taking someone uh, taking a risk with someone else's money versus doing it yourself. How much has it actually changed from, you know, 14 years ago? And that ago? Seems, more, seems more glamorous too than what, like, yeah, borrowing money, money off mum and dad and using credit card. Like, mm-hmm. that sounds way less sexy than, oh, yeah. oh we've got some, you know, AC series. Well, but the thing is, it's the exact that's same thing. social proof. Yeah. Like, you know, mm. you it's great social proof if you get that funding. On the other hand, you are... Um, not to put all VCs in one basket, but you're dealing with people who want to return on investment very mm-hmm. quickly and a commercial return generally is the only focus was as it opposed to anything else. 14 years ago, was it actually a thing, like a popular thing? Because I'm sure there's you know, people like Mr 97, 19 coming out of school going, I need funding, I need VC <laughs> funding because they're hearing these yeah. people preach about it. Mm. Um, there were a couple of VCs in the US that showed a bit of interest once we were kind of, you know you know, like kind of getting a little bit bigger. But it really wasn't the same culturally at all. There really wasn't a startup culture. There wasn't a startup community that we were aware of anyway. anyway, We wouldn't even know, have known how to get funding or where to get it if we, you know, like if we'd wanted it. And I think you do feel like you are, you you can't control everything you're doing Mm -hmm. once you sort of take someone else's money and they expect to get that money and more back. So... We just decided just to sort of keep investing in it. We didn't take a salary for a couple of years. We just kind of really decided just to build it organically, which now, oh, I'm so happy we did that. But I have to say, there's no way, like it was like the Wild West at that point. Mm -hmm. There was such a huge amount of land to grab. It isn't that way anymore. Anything you want to launch, you're probably dealing with a couple of competitors and you need some more money to do that. I heard you talk a lot in some of the videos Mm -hmm. about holes in the market. Yeah. Is there just less holes now or do we need to be more creative People to find the holes? Find the holes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, um, yeah, look, I think that, you know, there was just the fact that we were able to be first to market in so many different areas mm. um, is, you know, is really saying something in that period of time. There's still plenty, there's always going to be plenty of opportunity for somebody who's entrepreneurial. There's, you know, new technology coming along. There's, you know, innovation. When it comes down to it, you're effectively just solving a problem and Mm. generally it's a good idea you know to do something which is solving a problem you yourself has experienced because you're going to be really good at solving that problem um because you feel it but you know like i think there's still stuff around but i do think it's very different in that there's just a lot more players potentially Mm. very you know very close to you Mm. do you think that behind every problem there is financial reward so say for us with the daily talk show we're trying to Mm -hmm 
build this show up. We're trying mm-hmm. to provide something unique. Could we be itching a problem, like itching a problem, providing a solution mm-hmm. to that problem, but maybe no one's willing to actually like pay for the problem to be fixed? I think if you're doing really great work and the and the doing it mm-hmm. every day brings you mm-hmm. some sort of joy and fulfilment mm-hmm. and you can earn a living doing that then I think that that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Nothing you know different things are going to scale to a different degree. You might find even that it doesn't have a financial reward but it it really you know you are it is an this sounds really like serious, but almost like an act of service to some degree. Like you're serving the people around you by providing this thing which entertains them, makes them feel connected, whatever it might be. So, I, yeah, I don't think you can go, great, well, anything I do which I really like and do really well is going to make me millions of dollars. But, you know, I think you can – I hope and I'd I'd love to – I love the concept that Mm. you can have a work life which you're passionate about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you think that with the direction that you're going and with mm-hmm. where Envato was, is that a re is that you restructuring your life? So or is, it tiger the, or is it the competitive side coming out saying, I need to do this again? Yeah. Like we did it I've we've done it all before and now it's like I want to go out and do it again. I do think it was intimidating because you do think, well, Envato's nice and comfortable. Yeah. I have, you know Josh at the head of the table. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um I have, you know, like lack of a better way of putting it, a degree of status mm. from Envato. And if I do something new and it's a flop, boy, that's going to be a bit embarrassing, yeah. especially as Collis, you know, first time round, my husband is my co-founder. If Hey Tiger had really like been a bit of an embarrassing disaster, it would have been yeah. like, well, you know, we know the brains of the operation was in that family, even though Collis is, you know, yeah. as you know, crazy bright. Um that's a so lot of pressure. That's almost it's almost like that second album territory. It feels it's like, like I, I, you're yeah. Freddie Mercury. <laughs> you've got Queen. <laughs> that is how I think of myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Queen, and then yeah, you, you've gone off and doing your solo thing. Yeah. But unlike Queen, Collis was more supportive of your solo venture yeah. as well. I'm guessing. And living Collis a more pure life supportive. than Queen. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 well, I don't Mercury know what I get up to in my downtime. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that I I look back. And even though, like I love Hey Tiger, I love making something for women, I love food, I think it's like art but it is, you know, you can experience with mm. every one of your senses. Mm. I love, um, I just, I love everything about it, love yeah. the team, love Brie. Yeah. Um, but I do think looking back that I subconsciously chose something which was as far from Invato as I could make it. Mm. So it's a social enterprise, it's mm-hmm. not for profit. Um, which is in, sort of, there's an alignment there with Invato, which is like helping people, you know, live their lives, being able to support them. What I, was the distinct, mm. was there a clear distinction where you're like, you know, it's great that Invato does that. Mm-hmm. What was the social enterprise bit? Why was that important to you, do you think? So I think that I find the concept that business can serve community and Mm -hmm. make things better to be a very exciting and important concept. And I think this focus we have, which is that business success is purely about revenue, is responsible for a huge amount of the crap that's going on in the world. So social enterprise to me seems like the logical next step where you bring people together to do incredible work they get paid fairly for the work that they do so they you know they get to earn a livelihood doing work that they are passionate about and it serves 
a real need and social purpose within the world. So mm-hmm. Hey Tiger um, funds Cocoa Farmer community development um, in an area of Ghana, which has a very high percentage of, um, of cocoa farming communities. And these cocoa farmers earn 78 cents per day. Most of these kids are um, in these communities are growing up stunted, no access to education, um, uh, you know, very poor nutrition. Um, and back in 2010, the, uh, the cocoa industry committed to um, getting the number of children in child labour in West Africa on cocoa plantations down from 2 million children in 2010 wow. to 200,000 by 2020. It's currently sitting at 2.2 million. Wow, so crazy. it's, you know, there's 2.2 million kids who are my kids' age who are working and, and some of them in, a, you know, don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but mm. appalling circumstances yeah. and something that gives us such great pleasure over here is responsible for just so much crap mm. over there. So it's if it's just terrible. 70 odd cents or whatever a day, what mm-hmm. then, if that's their benchmark they're working to, what's the reframing of it? Is it? Five, ten, fifty, like twenty, a hundred dollars a day. Like, how do you go from such a low point and understand and reframe the the whole situation? I don't have a like. It is a complex problem to solve, mm-hmm. and I don't have a totally elegant answer to it. Um, the uh, World Cocoa Barometer, um, which is kind of a you know industry body, which brings. Um, a whole bunch of different experts together to analyse how um, cocoa is going on an impact level, believes that it's going to take much more um, holistic community development work, Mm. which is why we do what we do, because it's not just about the cocoa itself, it's about the fact that cocoa farmers don't have any education, um, there's a, you know, lack of nutrition, it's really, um, it's tough going, you know, everything from, you know, farming practices are really inefficient because mm. they're farming the way their grandfathers farmed. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's potentially much more efficient things they could be doing um, to the fact that, you know, physically they're in very remote locations and these cocoa traders will come and say, look, this is how much I'm offering you, take it or leave it. Crazy. Yeah, um, so hard. The, what comes first for you? You've got, you know, your, your next album, you're mm-hmm. doing a new business. Mm-hmm. The was that finding a problem? Was that hearing about something like what was happening in Ghana? Thinking about what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of the business. Which one is it for you, or is it a blend? I knew I wanted to do a social enterprise next because I think that's a really interesting thing to do, but I didn't know what it looked like yet. And then Collis and I and the kids actually took a holiday in Hong Kong, and we went to Hong Kong, and I was looking at all the chocolate that they have there, and I was like, "There's so much more in terms of flavour profiles than there is in Australia." It's so interesting and so fun and we're just not seeing it. At the same time, I was looking at trends coming out of the States, food trends, because kind of, I'm quite passionate about food and I knew I wanted to do some. I thought I'd kind of like to do something in food next. Also, it's tangible and you can tell people what you do and they understand. Like if I try and talk about Envato, people's eyes just kind of <laughs> mm. <laughs> glaze over. Um, so... You know, we were away and I I was looking at trends in the States and I was like, there are brands that are starting to focus on women. Women are the largest demographic of, you know, people who purchase chocolate in Australia and yet most every other brand that we see is targeted either at your kids or your parents-in-law. Like there's it, nobody's kind of making an aspirational chocolate brand mm. that resonates with women. So that's So I was like, this is a totally impractical plan but I think that there's something in this 
but let's just see. I started making chocolate in my kitchen and at the same time I got involved with The Hunger Project, which is this amazing charity that we work with now, in a project in Burkina Faso, which is the third poorest country um, in the world bordered by Ghana and the Ivory Coast. And I was talking to the CEO of The Hunger Project, Melanie Noden, one day and she said, well, you know, a big problem in Burkina Faso is forced child trafficking. Um, so these children go work in cocoa plantations in Ghana and the Ivory Coast, taken away from their families, never see them again. Wow. And um, and I thought, oh, that's like it was it was so jarring that that was the impact of this passion that I have for chocolate. And I thought, well, I could I don't know anything about making food products, but I could smush these things together, hole in the market, impact kind of issue that needs to be solved. Mm. That was me clapping. Yeah. <laughs> between and I'll continue. <laughs> but between between then and now, what has been the biggest change in your thought thoughts on things and the way that you approach Hey Tiger? Um, food products are really hard. Mm. Things <laughs> with physical stock, physical product, is yeah. so much harder than I thought. I think I was kind of a bit cocky in the beginning and thought, oh, you know, I've done something of Envato scale. This should be fine. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is really hard. Like infrastructure costs yeah. for making something like a physical food product is like a massive investment. So I think I have a lot more respect for the people who've done it. Well, most people are trying to go the other way. They're going, how can I create something that's not a tangible product? It's, it's an <laughs> online product. Mm. I can sell it while I sleep. Yep. You know, I don't have to worry about returns. It's like, mm. it's, it's fascinating. I mean, it's, that's, the, that's where I see you, the competitive nature in you. It's like tackling that is no small feat. Yeah. Well, that's the ta- I think there's something, there's something appealing in the tangible as well. Even yeah. our podcast, we're like, we need merch. <laughs> let's, let's do merch. There's a great a, yeah. pleasure in giving yeah. somebody something. Yeah, and there's a, that that Greek mama in me comes yeah. out and goes, "Feed! I want to feed you. Yeah. I love you. I want to feed you." And I get to feed everyone. It's great. It helps that the chocolate's good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Do you think that we're actually going to have to pay more for chocolate in the future? Do you think it's going like for all these things? If all, like, who's taking the money? Is there a are we doing a disservice by only spending a few bucks at the supermarket on chocolate? I think if you are buying chocolate which doesn't have some sort of certification attached Mm -hmm. to it, then you really need to consider the impact that your decisions are making. Yeah. Do you think about like from an issues point of view, Mm -hmm. you have that as one issue, Mm -hmm. you have environmental impact on things. Mm -hmm. There's so many different lenses that you can look at. You know, for instance, like uh, cosmetics, if you want to be in the – the market in China, you have to be testing on animals like as part of the mm-hmm. process. These mm-hmm. things happen which then ends up, it seems like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. How do you look at all the different issues? Do you, are you singularly focused or um, do you look at sort of a holistic approach of Hey Tiger? I think that, um, so, you know, a business can become a B Corp. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what a B yeah. Corp is but it's a really holistic kind of um, uh, analysis of how your business is performing on every ethical yeah. level. It's like I a certification, like, like a, a standard. certification, yeah. yeah. You can go through that process even if you don't necessarily want to become a B Corp just mm-hmm. to see how you're tracking mm-hmm. as a business. So I, I kind of feel like our job is to get iteratively better mm-hmm. 
Because, you know, there's plenty of stuff we do which I'm like, oh, well, that's not good enough yet. Yeah. But, you know, you go, all right, well, we're, we're, we're just trying. We're trying to tackle this problem. We're trying to put impact first and just we hope that every, you know, every few months we just, you know, take one step forward in mm-hmm. terms of being a, a good all-rounder. Has there been a magnifying glass on you, do you think, from coming from Invado? To now doing this? I certainly think that, you know, generally speaking, if you were to launch a chocolate brand, you'd go, Mm. well, maybe I can kind of, you know, do some basic packaging and I'll start selling it in markets and I'll sort of, you know, um, ease into it Mm. in a traditional bootstrappy way. And I couldn't do like that, that, Mm. you know, it it just wouldn't have made any sense for me to do that because it would have been a real like mind trip. It would feel pretty, it would also feel irresponsible in regards if you feel like you know, the next five steps, mm. do you use the resources that you have or do you, you know, like it's... I know, I figure, you know, like I kind of, it, it, it's a bit of a calculated gamble, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, any startup is, whatever you're investing your sort of, you know, you've, you, your hard-earned cash into to make work, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you've got to back yourself to some degree. So yeah. I think that, you know, I, I... But I did feel like there was a lot of people who were watching to see mm-hmm. how it would go and that... You know, I took quite a strong position on the brand and the flavour profiles and it was so different and so other. Before I launched it, I thought there's a pretty good possibility people are going to go, what's she been smoking? <laughs> well, this <laughs> was off didn't. the back as well of uh, winning the Telstra Business <coughs> Women's Women's Business Award. Yes. Was that, and so what, did you feel, because I feel like through Invato, mm-hmm. there was so much time where you were just sort of behind the scenes and there mm-hmm. was sort of an active effort to go out and about and to start actually celebrating Envato. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did that teach you about the whole process? Because in some regards, it's, it is a, that mind trip of we're sitting, we're doing our day-to-day stuff, nothing mm-hmm. really changes, like yep. you're still, you know, grinding away. And then all of a sudden with this slight slant of a PR perspective mm-hmm. on things, mm-hmm. people all of a sudden care. And, also, and part of it's like frustrating. It's like, these guys have been doing this for, you know, at the time, you know, 12 years or whatever. Mm. What's what's going on? Was that a, a mind trip for you? Yeah, it was a massive mind trip. And interestingly enough, most women who go through winning the Telstra Businesswomen's Awards by the end of the year are burnt out, freaked out mm. in some way because it's just such an escalation of your personal brand. Like it really is – like we've gone through a few awards programs now. It is the most effective in terms of getting your personal brand yeah. out by a country mile. It really is. But that also means, you know, you go from being like, well, I've only ever spoken to my team internally before to, yeah. oh, okay, I'm now – I've been invited to, you know – be on a panel with the CEO of CSIRO and, you know, like these other people who I find deeply intimidating um, and I'm supposed to hold my own here and and act like I know what's going on. So you either go no Mm -hmm. or you lean into it and you go, all right, I'm going to see if I can hold my own here. I saw that um, one of your slogans, and this was quite a while ago, so it might Mm -hmm. have changed, excitement Mm -hmm. and terror means you're on the right track. I think so, yeah. It sounds a bit... Exciting and also, you know, a level of terror winning yeah. those things and then having to do that because if it's not your day-to-day, then yeah. I could imagine. It, so. it, took a, it took a lot of kind of energy and it, it pushed me way out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But again, I always think, you know, like if life's about having big experiences, which I think it kind of is, then, yeah. you know, if you get the opportunity, go do mm-hmm. it. How do you actually cope? Because I feel like for a lot of people doing – 
what you've done at like one tenth of the scale would scare them and all that sort of <laughs> thing. And then, so mm. to think of where you've gone, was there, is there a level of trauma that you go through? <laughs> I just wanted to, like, because the thing is, like, there's people who are dealing with way, like, I feel like I deal way less and I get stressed and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and, you know, pe- like, what's your take on mental health? Mm. How you, even when you get to the level that you're at, do you all of a sudden, like, I feel like if I got to that level, it's like, okay, at that point I need to see a psychologist. Like, I feel like now I need mm. to deal with all my shit because otherwise I have seen a psychologist. Yeah. I have seen a psychologist. I did for probably about nine months just before Hey Tiger launched mm-hmm. to the sort of, you know, like just like a few months in. Mm-hmm. Um, Are these breaking points? Because is that you saying, Josh, I'd get to that and I'd, it'd be a breaking point so I need to? Well, or it feels like... Say if something bad happens now, mm. I don't have enough moving parts in my mm. life or anything to really fuck up. Like the mm. worst <laughs> thing is that Tommy and I have a blow up or something like that, yeah. but it's temporary. And Mr. 97 takes my spot. Yeah, yeah Mr. 97 <laughs> has it, cries or whatever. I'd be, I'd be sad and happy. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, I guess part of it is it's like when you're moving at the fa- uh-huh. a faster pace, it feels like when you hit a wall, there's more fatalities mm. potentially. So what was that experience I right. think I've sometimes hit a wall in terms of just how much I feel I can cope with growing really fast. Mm-hmm. So being out of my comfort zone most of the time, which I am, like most of the time I'm like, oh, I don't quite know if I know what I'm doing here, but I'm yeah. going to like give it a good crack. And yeah. you generally I think you're always a bit more capable than you think you are. Um, but I have had times when I've just gone, oh, I that would it's just too much now, mm-hmm. um, and what I generally find is that something in my body gives out mm-hmm. when that happens. Do so think something self- will happen physically. Yeah. Mm. Well, I feel like maybe even like with my back issues, like mm-hmm. uh, that flares up or whatever when I'm like stressed. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that uh, is there a level of because I feel like so much of my stress is self-imposed, and so part of like when you're mm. building something because the thing is you could probably like you could live a great life right now and just like do whatever and be pretty chill and you don't have to be doing all the amazing things that you're doing you could like mm. reduce stress mm. How, what is it what do you think it is internally your mindset to be like rather than cashing in and being on a yacht somewhere <laughs> which doesn't feel like you anyway <laughs> but what your version of that why yeah. is why is it this you know, this approach, which is starting another business, going through all the things that happens when you start one. You've got to do something useful with yourself, don't you? Mm-hmm. If yeah. you feel like you can do something that's interesting and is going to help you grow and is going to kind of um, help in mm-hmm. some way, in, in no matter what way, and you want to contribute, like, I mean... I feel like you just stop as a human yeah. if you if you just decide, well, now I'm just going to chill out. Like yeah, what's absolutely. the purpose? Yeah, yeah. You've got to have a purpose which is beyond your enjoyment. Yeah. What's your purpose, do you think? Um, I think that, you know, on a personal level, it's… We have a motorcycle… Yeah, uh, well, yeah that's really loud. …shop downstairs. They God. very rarely actually start They're the really car revving, the, they're testing, revving the engine. They're engines. testing the engine. That's yeah. fine. That's all good. Um, so I've come to the conclusion that for me the purpose of life is to have, you know, as many big interesting experiences as I can have, see where I can take things, see how far I can push myself. And the other side of it is to try and leave the world just a tiny weeny bit of a better place, mm-hmm. which sounds really cheesy, but I honestly believe it's true. I believe that, you know, there's a 
there's a quote, um, I think it's Maya Angelou, which is, you know, service is the rent that we pay for living, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, I, I believe is true. And I also believe that, you know, the, the greater the sort of um, – the more things that you are given, the more responsibility you have to do useful stuff with yeah. it. I'm going to tell my landlord that and stop paying rent <laughs> ASAP. No, my, my landlord actually is works one of your employees. Works oh, really? Nevada. Yeah. Well, I was always wondering, what the hell is this guy always home and not – what does he do? Turns works. out that he's uh, really utilising the um, work at home. Work yeah. remotely. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He doesn't move to Perth. He moved over there now. Yeah. But that was one I'm of just the trying to think. It's Mark. Yeah. It's, uh, is it Mark? Yes, yeah, yeah. Mark. Mark. One who? of the Marks. Yeah, uh, one Marks. Oh, no, don't worry. We'll talk yeah, about it later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it later. Yeah. Um, the, the view, like, <laughs> no, which <laughs> Mark? No, I want to no. know which Mark. I oh. temporarily <laughs> forgot yeah, what we were doing here. We're playing guess who? Brown hair. Taekwondo, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that guy. Okay. Tommy was living above in another apartment yeah. and then they saw him moving out and We're just classic like, Tommy style. Yeah. What are you guys Actually, doing? She sent Amy down for that one. Oh, really? Actually, no, she, she was like, I'm going down. And I was like, yes, thank you. I didn't want to. And then we said, can we take your place? Yeah, and so now we have it. it. So it but I always out. saw him wearing the T-shirts and so it all made sense. Mm-hmm. It all it, came yeah. together. He's yeah. one of my fa- – he's a good guy. He's great. And Your so landlord's great. Starting the business, the vision that you have. Like now mm-hmm. I, I love how, I, you know, I hear you – articulate this vision you have and why mm-hmm. you do it. How different is it from the early stages? The early stages of Hey Tiger or of the early the, stages of, of Invato? I guess of you as a person and the business and the partnerships you've got. Do you, do you got feel like I've changed co- a lot, Josh? No, but I feel like <laughs> – I think that – like in some regard – like I think that you there's the core values that uh-huh. you have uh-huh. and then it's amplified. The thing is that I feel like part of it is – I feel like you've got more – you feel – more socially responsible or mm. like you are more of a public figure now when we mm. were when we were working it feels like it was a lot more sort of people wouldn't know invado mm. it was like pretty chill yeah. like um yeah and so i guess that's probably i mean i just wrote, like i feel like you are uh, very kind you uh like i th- i just remember like work, like always feeling calm at work i remember <laughs> it got to a point though where it was like too calm because mm. when i was doing the social media stuff and I was like a little bit stressed and I said to Sai, I was like, I can't work out like a po- like my one job was social media, right? Like that's at the time, <laughs> that's my one job. I said to Sai, I was like, I can't think of like a post today. And Sai just like leant over and she said, it's okay if you can't think of a post today, just don't post. <laughs> and that was my one job with social media. But I feel that you've gotten, I think you've, you've also developed in regards to people as well yeah. where it's like uh having empathy or having that tone you pro- you can't actually do that with so many you can't do that with people and expect like great results so i feel like you've developed this great empathy versus mm. expectations and all this sort of stuff the thing is is that i won't actually work with people who i don't think are eminently capable yeah so if I don't think you're eminently capable, you're gone really quickly. Mm. Like yeah. in total honesty, you yeah. just you are. Yeah. How long were you there for, Josh? <laughs> Two and a half years. And he left. Yeah, he left. I'm sorry. I'm kicking you. Um, yeah. So uh, th- you know that's the honest truth of it. And because I'm not good at you know having, I'm not good at writing people's tales because yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. And I'm always mm. like, well, if you feel you can't today, yeah. then I'm sure you're thinking about 
how are you going to do it better tomorrow? Yeah, so I better just leave you to it. Yeah. It's because I respected you that yeah. I was like, well, there's no point me having that mm-hmm. conversation with you. If you're there, if you'd said to me, hey, Sai, can you help me figure out yeah. how to like how to do this? Mm-hmm. I would have gone, all right, let's sit down together yeah. and let's figure it out together. But you're so capable mm-hmm. and you're so smart. I was just like, well, clearly he's on it. Like mm-hmm. a post today isn't going to make any difference mm-hmm. and it's going to lead to something better. Well, more of a, anyway. It was a strategy thing too, right? Mm. So I was like thinking, I was probably like over-engineering everything, trying to work out exactly mm. that post felt like it was an important thing. Do you think that people, there's some people that freak out with that autonomy or that respect <laughs> that they're just not used to experiencing? I did have, um, there's a guy at work at Hey Tiger who once said to me, so I wish you'd just scream at me. It'd be so much easier. <laughs> there was a big stuff up and he was like, I wish you'd just have a go at me. It would make me feel better. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, look, you know, you are beating yourself up more than I would ever be able to beat you up externally. And the fact of the matter is, is that if I'm dealing with somebody who is going to pass the buck or not beat themselves up mm. when something goes that wrong, then I'm not working with mm. the right person anyway. Mm. The the new model of work or business of mm-hmm. working for somebody, I think, has a lot more autonomy in there. And I found that, and I'd, I'd love to know what you think. Mm. Can you teach someone to be autonomous? Or do you think it's like it's like initiative? Can you tell, teach someone to have initiative? I think it all comes down from the person's intention and what they want. Mm. Um, no, I, I, I don't think that if somebody's like, I just want to do my job and go home, mm. that I can sit them down and go, hey, you should be ambitious and you should be thinking outside the box and you should be doing all these things because that comes from, you know, that comes in internally. If somebody's asking me, if somebody wants to be that way, if they're like, I, you know, I want to get big stuff done and I want to be effective and I, you know, um, that to me counts for like 80% of it and then you can sit them down and you can talk to them about how and coach them through it. But generally people have got that in them. Mm. They just need some tools to think in the right way. But if the intention's not there, if they don't want to do it, then there's, you know. And it's also okay if they don't want to do it. Different people go through different phases. Sometimes you're all gung-ho in your career. Like I think probably the three of us are all mm. the time, mm. but, you know, and I, probably I like you as well. I like um, that you've aligned us with you. We'll take it. <laughs> we'll use that as a grab. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, and some people are just in a phase of their life where I'm like, well, there's other stuff that interests me mm-hmm. or I'm in a new relationship or I want to have children or whatever it might be. And right now I just want a career which is a bit more set and forget, bring in the money, there's, mm. uh, and that's okay too. Is there, are they in existence? Like is that a thing now? Like moving forward I could imagine it's becoming more about being autonomous and flexibility but you need to get your stuff done. We can't be ma- micromanaging you. Mm-hmm. Like think about your kids and I think mm. about my son mm. – What's it going to look like for him? What do you think? So when I did this panel with the CEO of CSIRO yeah. um, and, uh, and Australia's chief scientist... They're the um, blokes that made Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> CSIRO? Maybe GPS as well. Oh, no, somewhere over in Adelaide. Yeah. Um, we could have that completely wrong. Yeah, yeah, great. Look it up. I don't know. Um, was this one of the early panels that you this did? Was, this was one of this the... the trauma panels? Was yeah, this, this okay. was like a full-on trauma panel. Yeah. I was so Had you, scared. Was it those things... Sorry, were, guys, I'm just getting a nod from Mr. 97. That was the actual correct. number. You were correct. Yeah, 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 they figured out uh, Wi-Fi along with AeroGuard. 
Erigad gives me a bit of asthma. But very useful for malaria, I'm sure, in developing countries. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so guessing. it is. But yeah. yeah. So Legends. maybe I'm not the only target market. I get it. I get it. It's not all about you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, That's almost flat. the, um, you know, online marketplace and tiger and yeah. chocolate. It's yeah. like yeah. Well, yeah, very, two, two very different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what, what happened in, in the panel? What, what did they ask? Oh, so... The discussion was that basically, you know, there's going to be, I can't remember the exact stat now, but something like 40% of job loss from automation in the next 15 years. Um, and that a huge amount of, you know, jobs which are considered those kind of where like I, I clock in and I clock out and during the day I do my thing are just going to disappear very, yeah. very quickly. And the conversation was, is this something we should be concerned about in Australia or is it not? And, of course, I'm sitting there saying, well, I think we should be deeply concerned and we should be starting to think about this in school and we should even be starting to look at how we would implement a universal basic income because that might become necessary given that so many jobs are going to be, you know, like going away. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, the, these two guys were saying, no, 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 everything's fine. She's wrong. You don't need to worry. The government has it in hand. And I was thinking, I've read this, re- like, you know, and me, imposter mm-hmm. syndrome, I've read this research. I feel like, you know, this is coming mm-hmm. and it's a real, like, imminent danger. It's really strange they're taking this position. And then I realised, oh my goodness, they're on the government payroll. Of course, oh, they're yeah, taking yeah. this position. They don't want to go, yes, everyone panic. We don't know what yeah, we're yeah. doing. They've been sniffing Erica. They also <laughs> got free Wi Fi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and in that moment, what do you do? Like you go, no, nah, um, did you back, back I yourself? I myself, yeah. I just kept on arguing my point. Yeah. I just, I decided, well, all I can, I, I came to the conclusion they got me on here for my opinion and so uh, all I can do is give my opinion. It feels like a shift though in how you've developed as a person. Do you think that you mm. have developed confidence? And yes. where, where has that come from? Practice. Time mm-hmm. and practice and... Um, a couple of times where I tried to pretend, I think I've had to get a lot better at kind of knowing where I'm confident and what I can speak to with authority and what I don't know what I'm actually talking about because I think I used to think that I needed to be this all-rounder who knew everything. So Mm -hmm. if I, you know, like so I was on a um, Finn review panel in front of like, 300 journalists and again stressed like you know way out of my comfort zone type stuff because you're like if I say something stupid every single journalist can write about it in this room um but during that discussion the um the journalist who was interviewing me said you know and what do you think about this um this new law that's going to be put in around listed companies and I just had no idea like Envato is not listed Mm -hmm. it's not something that interests me I have no idea and in the past I would have gone Oh my goodness, panic stations. I don't know. Everyone's going to think I'm stupid. Yeah. Start saying words. Start saying words. Yes. <laughs> we talked about this yeah, literally yeah, yesterday, yesterday, where it mm. was like a client's come to us and said, you know, given Tommy a big sort of offer in regards to what we can do. And they're like, we need an answer now. Yeah. And, uh, I guess that part of the growth is being like, oh, it's okay to say, I don't, I'm going to have to think about yeah. this. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to you on that. And it's perfectly fine. And I realised I'd heard sort of a, a woman in another panel that I'd been on who'd gone, oh, I'm not sure. Mm. You know, and, and it it's was It's a power okay. move though as totally. well. It's such a good power. Because yeah. the thing is it's like it's a confidence in mm-hmm. 
that's not that's not the area that I play in. I don't really know exactly. that sort of thing, which is and like it, super powerful. It strengthens you. Yeah, mm. it's just like being fully aware of what your own strengths and weaknesses are, which mm. I think is also very very important. You know, you've you've got to know what you're really good at in order to know what you're weak at. And mm. once you know those things, you can go, well, no, actually, I am mm. damn strong here. Um, so yeah, it was to be able to feel that I developed enough to say, you know what, I really, we're not listed, I have no interest in this. Um, you know, I'm sorry, you're going to need to ask someone else. Yeah, yeah. And then she was like, oh, okay, we moved on to the next topic. I was like, that was okay. <laughs> that was yeah. good. Doesn't mean I'm dumb, yeah. just means that I'm not actually interested or know about this yeah. specific and area. And you're sure on what you do know, which yeah. I think is super powerful. Mm. I'm going to bring up the psychologist stuff again because yeah. I feel like I'm using people as a in to try and eventually get comfortable to do it. Because it's not that there's a stigma, mm. but I just feel that just, I don't like going on the tram, let alone having to talk to like, understand the reception. you're very comfortable talking to an Uber driver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Well, but <laughs> so troll, are you trolling me on my own show? <laughs> no, it just, it's just an yeah, interesting right. distinction. Yeah, exactly. I see the tram as more anonymous in a really? way. No, yeah. well, I see that I see the thing with the tram stuff is I'll always stand up because I just can't deal with trying to pick who deserves the seat more than me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I thought you were going to say who deserves to sit next to me and I was like, whoa, Josh. <laughs> no, it's the okay. opposite. It's like, yeah. it's like, okay, so it's like pregnant women, older women. <laughs> Why don't we just say all women? Yeah. I'll give them a seat up to all women. And it's like, okay. And so I've just created this <laughs> old list. Old people. The, the list is so big yeah. that I'm like, you know what, like I'll just stand up. And then I'm then there'll be heaps of seats, and then I'm standing up, and then I'm feeling self-conscious about standing up. Everyone else is sitting down. Anyway, that's <laughs> not the point. The point was around the psychology stuff. Okay. So, uh, what are the actual with the psychologist? Mm-hmm. What's the actual thing that you take away? And do they get into the specifics? Because the thing is, these psychologists they haven't done this panel tour. They have they don't have mm. the experiences that you have. So how do you then, mm. if they say no, you just need to do this, Cyan? How do you take that in and be like, I actually no, they're probably no, they don't do that. Okay. That's more that's more a coach you're talking about. Yeah. Um, what do you say? because they'll do like so for me, it's more getting down into the crux of the issue. So mm-hmm. for me, I've always been really bad at self care, and I've mm-hmm. always been really bad at being kind to myself, mm-hmm. and. I have an intense need to be liked. Mm-hmm. So I will, you know, um, almost play a role with people when I don't know them that well so mm-hmm. that they will like me, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, has a lot of payoffs. It really yeah. does. But it also means that sometimes I get super tired because yeah. I'm like, are they okay? Mm-hmm. I overthink everything. I'm like, did I offend them when I said that? Yeah. Like it's really intense yeah. in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so it's more like, okay, you know, when you find a good – psychologist it's more like a conversation around well why do you think you feel that way and you Mm. know how you know what why would somebody really want to be your friend when they get to know you can you think of the reasons it's uncomfortable as anything it's like anytime I've gone to see a psychologist I've come back wrecked just exhausted but it filters in is it uh is this something you knew before you started with the psychologist um no, not really. I, well, I, you know, it's very hard to be self-aware and, and it's not like she even sat me down and go and went, this is my diagnosis. She was just, you know, very good at kind of coaching me through coming to that conclusion myself and asking why. Like, why would you say that about mm. yourself? Why do you think it's so important that you, you know, that every single person that you meet likes you? Yeah. Um, and Which then, they do. <laughs> thanks. 
I try. I try really hard. That's the, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's an intervention. Stop yeah. being so likable. It's hard. It's hard working on yourself. Like I feel like yeah. you're trying to work out every answer well, that like they'll ask you. The you're trying to work out what they'll ask you and what the answer will then be. Well, the likability thing's annoying. Because the what's, the, yeah. what's the other option? Being unlikable. Because yeah. sometimes I think me trying to be likable is probably a good thing. Because it means that I do the things that I should probably be doing. Like yourself. Mm. I yeah. think, like, doesn't that make sense? Mm. If you just liked yourself, it's like, I'm sure, yeah. sure people will like and that and if they don't, it's okay. Something to be said for just being kind. Yeah. Like focusing heavily on being kind I think is a really important thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I needed to get over the idea that I needed to engineer what I was saying so the psychologist would like me. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> well, that's, that's, you I think that's, that's my face. <laughs> well, the thing is that yeah. also... <laughs> they can a little see bit straight through it, guys. The thing is, I'm like, what's that first meeting? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Nah. This is the thing. Don't think, think the, the thing, first meeting through. But I think that it's like, oh, I would want to go it this way. Like, I feel like, okay, I've got the direction I want to go Isn't in. that a control thing? Like, yeah, you're trying yeah, to mm. control yeah. every element of that. Control your answer, their mm. answer, what they think of you, mm. all of that. I think it's great. I think this is a great sign that we, we should book you yeah. in. Did you know, the was it a specific... When you look for one, were you like, oh, I want like a Freud? Like, no. yeah, there's a Freud and the other one. I think you just got to like the person. So mm-hmm. I went to one and I did not like her, didn't really? go back. And what I went to another qualities? one and I was like, oh, she's just a lovely human. Mm. I I think just, you know, I, I love people who are warm. Mm-hmm. I, I like people who are warm and she was very warm and she listened and I felt kind of, I felt safe. I yeah. think that's probably the, you know, because you get really, you get really vulnerable and you yeah, talk about yeah. like your childhood and all sorts of crap. How quickly yeah. did they get to that? Because I think Brie was surprised when she went, they just like go there straight away. They go, they start asking you really tough questions yeah. straight away. And I do this thing where if somebody, asks, I'm good at avoidance, so mm-hmm. I'll just go, blank and I'd literally have these times I'd be like I'm so sorry I just can't process what you're asking me right now because it was just too hard but then like two weeks later she'd try again and I'd be like okay no I feel like I can think about this now not that anything hyper traumatic yeah I know but but everyone's got like their version of it I wonder do you then feel because you're reconciling all the things in the past or whatever Mm. do you need to re-enter into relationships say like with family members or whatever and reset or like because you you might sometimes mm. uncover knowledge and be like, oh, that's why I do this. It's actually mm. because my dad's an asshole to me or my mum does <laughs> this or whatever. Well, you establish like, that there's boundaries that are way beyond what you actually think the boundary should be, yeah. you know, what you should say no to. Mm. Yeah, but how do you look at relationship? How do you – do you feel like when you walked away from it, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to speak to this person or any of that no. sort of shit? No, okay. I, I, I've never – I oh no, there was com- one conversation I mm-hmm. did have to have, which was with somebody where I said to them, "I know you don't mean it this way, mm-hmm. but when you mm-hmm. say this, mm-hmm. it makes me—it's made me feel this way since I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I re- and I and I need you to not say it because it just triggers me to all these other like it kind of it, it lifts mm-hmm. a veil on mm-hmm. behaviors that maybe you're not even aware are going on. Mm-hmm. There's so much subconscious. Yeah. Uh, what about saying no? Have you struggled? With that? I read a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck by Sarah Knight and I think it is one of the best books that I've ever read because it categorises everything into should I actually give a fuck about this Mm -hmm. or should I not? Mm. 
and I've only got so many fucks to give. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the title of the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a really bad. But that is, yeah. that's yeah. how she phrases yeah. it. Yeah. You've only got like 30 in a day. Yeah. And if you give all of them away to stuff which isn't actually yeah. effective, stuff you care yeah. about, stuff that's going to shift the dial to you, for you, then you're not going to have enough for the stuff you do care about, your family, your kids, your partner, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And it was really clinical and went through every single area of my life and I went through and I realised, wow, I'm doing all this stuff because I feel like I should, Mm -hmm. which is taking away time from doing the stuff I'm passionate about. Like, you know. What are some of those fucks that you don't give now? I do a lot less speaking. I do way less speaking engagements. So I do hardly This podcast is very rare. So, like, you don't do that many podcasts. So, I'm thank bit, you for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'd never <laughs> say no to you, Josh. And I, I've, I've been a long-time listener, yeah. first-time caller. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, so I don't do much of that anymore because I felt like it took up a huge amount of my time and energy and I found it quite, like, intense. Mm. So, I feel like, okay, now I know how to do it. Mm. I can do it well, but I only do it when I feel like, wow, it's really going to shift the dial for Hey Tiger. Yeah. Or Invato in some way, like really going to shift the dial. What about being kind and this mm-hmm. not giving a fuck approach to things? How do they align? How do you, how do you make them work? Because I well, I really resonate with that. I mm-hmm. want to be able to do that, but I feel like the risk that I would fall into mm-hmm. is it feels like it's a single single needs based, or like I'm thinking about what what is it that I want, and I'm going to just deliver on this and a few of the close people. Mm-hmm. Versus so many of the things that you do are having impact for so many other people. Yeah. So how, how do you identify that in the well, formula? Well, the idea is not that you stop doing mm-hmm. things for people. Yeah. The idea is that you do things for people which are really effective and make, you know, and, and make meaningful sense to them. So, for instance, in the context of speaking engagements, I'll get asked to do speaking engagements because people will go, oh, She's, a, she's the one woman mm. entrepreneur in tech that I know of, therefore we should ask her. Mm. So rather than saying, okay, great, I'll do that because mm. I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. I have a list of other women entrepreneurs that I give to them that I go, hey, look, I'm not available to do this, mm-hmm. but here, the, here are these 10 women you can contact. They still get a good outcome because it's not actually me that they wanted. Yeah. They wanted what I represent. Um, the women who are just getting started in their career, you know, like in that side of themselves, they're speaking and their personal brand can do it, everyone kind of wins and nobody actually loses in that. I just had to be a little bit smarter. I didn't go, no, screw you, I'm too busy. (laughs) So the kindness comes in, here's a solution for what you've asked me, what I've said no to. I think we've even spoken about that within our business, which is like, hey, if we can't help someone, Mm. it's okay if we can't help everyone, but it's like we can at least direct them into the right area and it's also being able to celebrate other people around you where Mm. it's like actually that person would be... Perfect. If they have a good, if that person then speaks at the event that you were going to speak mm-hmm. at and they do a great job, it's a win win yeah. as well. And I, but I still have difficulty saying no for people. Mm-hmm. And I've got a big thing about people feeling like maybe I think I'm too good for stuff. <laughs> no. So I, I, do, I find it hard. Do you think, I find that when I say, sometimes I'll say yes to things and then the, the pain that it creates based yeah. on like, oh, that thing's three months away or whatever. It's far <laughs> enough it? away, so I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. But then it's yeah. like this like mm-hmm. long, long dread. Have you identified that stuff as well? Oh, it happens to me constantly. Yeah. Now I try and imagine what it's going to be like. And a friend of mine who's actually a business coach, again, you know, 
using swear words again, but mm. we'll go, it's either a fuck yeah or it's a fuck no. Yeah. And if it's not a fuck yeah, it's automatically yeah, yeah. a fuck no. Yeah, so yeah. you've got to be like, oh, I am excited to do this. Yeah, yeah. How, and do, you, if, how do you know, like, I, I see the journey I've been on in my career mm-hmm. and all the mistakes and things I've said yes to feel mm-hmm. like have shaped me in some way. Mm-hmm. When do you know to have not listen to the fuck yeah? Well, it feels like a like, shift, right? There's a shift from... Probably at the start, you need to say yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Enough runs on the board to then be able to say no. If you're 19 or 18 out of school and you're saying no to everything, you're probably going to cut yourself. I assume more opportunities will be exciting at that point. Mm. If you're asked to go speak at your high school when you're 18, you go, yeah. wow, yeah. I got to yeah. go speak at my high yeah. school. It was a traumatic experience for me actually because <laughs> I, I spoke – they didn't tell me how long to speak for. <laughs> yeah. No. And so it was the awards night uh-huh. and I actually gave a $100 check uh, to the winner of the media department, like who won uh-huh. the media award or was whatever. Was it your check, your money? Yeah, it was MediaFlex's money. The problem is I didn't have the 100 bucks, and I had to – I was waiting for a client to pay me or whatever. It was like real scrappy earlier, like I was 18. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I um, I spoke for 45 minutes but they only needed 15. <laughs> but they didn't, they didn't say that. And there was the, the end of the talk. I'd realised I'd gone too far because a lady came up to me who was sort of – would have been considered like the crazy person of the group. And she came up and she goes, don't, don't worry what anyone else says. That was oh, amazing. No. Oh, no. And then I look back now and the final slide that I used in the presentation was a photo of Bree and I on an elephant <laughs> in Thailand. Photo, no, no. Not the photo. <laughs> we'll get to that. What we'll is get that? To, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> The alo- no, it was Brie and I on an elephant in Thailand and I was sort of like, look, you could be doing this too. <laughs> That's so and funny. it wasn't even me being like funny. I was serious. I was like, <laughs> travel the world, no. do slightly inappropriate things. Like, And then the guys pointed out, Tommy pointed out, elephants have amazing memories. So they probably still he remember still remembers me. you, mate. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, the, the, the tongue-kissing photo. Yeah, what is this? I've not well, seen this. Well, f- it was Facebook. When I was on Facebook, I'm off social media. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, there was a photo, an old photo that was on Facebook of Bree and I from 2008 and it was sort of like, you know, early early days or whatever, mm-hmm. 18. So it's just like us being sort of quite intimate. You Who's taking the photo? Uh, it was me. Selfie. Like, <laughs> oh, but like visible tongues. Visible oh, tongues. Wow. Anyway, anyway, it popped up so yeah. like as Selena a memory. tagged it. Yeah. yeah. It got tagged, tagged up and me. stuff. So yeah. then it sort of got brought to the surface. So it's not necessarily... I think what did you like fifteen year old Josh with yeah, visible tongue. I was, I was like, I, was I, was like no, I kind of think of you like a little brother. So yeah. I was like, oh goodness, no, I yeah, can't see yeah, that. Censor that. We'll, post, yeah. we'll actually post a photo on <laughs> yeah, Instagram. I'd love I've that. got like straight yeah. hair, like I straightened my hair and all that. Um, sort of before we finish up, sorry, I was yeah. looking in the rabbit hole. I found mm-hmm. this um, this comment on one of your videos. Uh huh. And the comment no, I says, never read the comments. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. It says, "Sai, she's the audio jungle voice." Oh yeah. And something I've – this is like I've, I've made videos, you know, before I knew mm-hmm. Josh and in, having my experience with Invada, I was always hearing the audio jungle, which I've we've got, got it here. Audio jungle. I'm going to play it again. Audio yeah. jungle. People are hearing that right okay. now. You audio can't hear it. Jungle. And I, I, was, I was blown away. That's a great question. And it, it is you, <laughs> yes. is it? Yes, it's me. So what happened there? Like – just that, it was a startup, and there was no one else to say it, and so I recorded myself saying "audio jungle," and we used that as the watermark. Um, and since then, for whatever reason, people are so attached to it now that we don't, we have never changed it. And well, it was I, like I looked it up, and it was like a specific. Someone had just posted this on YouTube as just that sound effect, like so on someone's really? the sound yeah. effect. Yeah, so it's like a, a, 
its own post. Yeah. It's a that's clean so one without weird. any any music or anything oh, like that. Oh, that's kind of – is that it's, creepy? It's slightly – it's probably <laughs> – there's probably fetish vibes that we're no, not aware no, of no. or whatever. Can we do um, – maybe put the headphones on, press and hear the recorded one, and then I want uh-huh. you to do the real version for our okay. show. Okay. Audio jungle. Audio jungle. How do you think you went? Did I don't it sound know. Okay? Was it the same? Do it, do it, well, Mr. No7, you're on headphones. Yeah, How did it sound? Cool. Do it, oh, I reckon retake that. Okay, <laughs> retake. Okay, okay, here we go. Okay, okay. I'll play it first and then give it a moment. Audio jungle. Audio jungle. There you go. Was it pretty as well? slightly like a British accent that you're doing in I the... I don't know. It sort of had, it had that vibe. It didn't go, audio jungle. Audio. <laughs> I could have. Some Back in audio jungle. Yeah. Audio jungle, mate. Yeah. There's, there's been a whole heap of people that like rip the... So that's like a watermark over the song. So, uh-huh. you know, people can't... It's for people that don't know. It's like... So you can't use it in a commercial video. Mm. But it's now become a bit of a joke that like some vloggers rip it on purpose so they take the song but they leave the audio jungle in there really? which has like more punch to the joke of like outrageous. I'm taking off a vlogger right now and I'm using music that still has like the parody thing. video oh, yeah it's like really? a parody yeah so it's become a life of its own every six months or so a business gets in touch and says can we please use the same the same voice that you've used for audio jungle can you please put <laughs> us in touch with her and they have to go no no actually that's the founder that's Cyan that's <laughs> but absolutely um, yes but, but you yeah, sing you get into the singing and stuff Brie oh, was yeah. saying that she uh, my girlfriend Brie uh, works with Cy and she was saying hi Brie <laughs> I'm glad she I didn't, love Brie I'm actually mm-hmm. glad she didn't come today because she would have been like we'll finish up in a couple of seconds but she would have been very specific Wrapping on the up. timing she takes good care of me yeah. Yeah. She does hate Tiger's PR. Yeah, mm. and so um, uh, she was ta- she was talking the other day about she was like humming and s- singing in the office, mm-hmm. and then you would do it, and it would make her feel a little bit bad about herself. <laughs> because you of know how what I do? Whenever she mentions your name, I go Josh Jansen. <laughs> I don't know why. That's is it just from do it all the time. The no, Daily Talk Show opener, the no. old one. No, I don't think so. No, it's like the Goldfinger soundtrack, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. the the song Goldfinger. I'll I mean, well, I'm not a good singer because you didn't get that at all. <laughs> No, but where does the singing come from? Was that actually something you did when you were like growing up? I trained to be an opera singer until I was eighteen. Yeah, wow. and I was in operas. And can stuff. you do something like what? No. what can you hit a note? Oh, yeah, absolutely no. not. This is uh, where I'm not going to do that. Yeah, hard no. <laughs> we're going to have to yeah, yeah, we're get, get, this. get me out of here, Bruce. I've done the yeah. audio jungle. I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> no, that's too embarrassing. I don't want to okay, do that. Okay, all right. I, I sang. I sang Josh Jansen. Uh, that was yeah, pretty that good. That was great. Yeah, that's oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> What are you excited about? Like the next 2019, Hey Tiger. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing chocolate. It's Thank a, you. It's very addictive. So you can like, you can smash a block quite easily. I didn't bring any with me. Have you guys both tried it? I'll yeah, send you some Yeah, afterwards. we have. Okay. Yeah. have. I'm glad because it's not Friday. We, oh, yeah, right. we go, we, I, would, I would go all out. Yeah, I would. It, mm-hmm. it is one of those ones where you yeah. really go out. Yeah. So, yeah, 2019, what, yeah. Is it, what does it look like? What are you excited about? I'm really excited that Easter's going so well. Mm-hmm. So it feels like we've nailed Easter and it's flying out the door. That's exciting. Yeah. You know, Hey Tiger isn't profitable yet. So mm-hmm. we need to do some, you know, like there's some hard work to get it so how does to where that, it needs to be. How does that work? So social enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, there's people that, who are really, like for whatever reason, people get, even when you do really good things, mm-hmm. people are always like, ah, it's a, they're doing it for tax or whatever. Like mm. people say this shit, right? Yeah. But the the fact is, what? how is how is it structured? How How can you make sure that you are supporting mm-hmm. and doing it for the right now. reasons. Yep. So look, I think 
The reason that happens is because some businesses say, yeah, we're absolutely saving the world. And all I'm saying with Hey Tiger is it's owned by a charitable trust. Mm -hmm. So I literally, I'm the director. I can't take money out of it. Mm -hmm. It needs to go to a charity. I don't take a salary. Mm -hmm. Everyone else gets paid, Mm -hmm. you know, fairly for the work that they do. Um, What is an actual charitable trust? What is that? Just oh, like a technical so term. What does it actually like mean? A, it's like a kind of a structure on top of Hey Tiger, which um, is called Give Tiger. Mm-hmm. And right now, like, so basically, usually with a social enterprise, go, well, once we're profitable, we will donate X or Y. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that because I thought that's weird for me to do that. Yeah. So right from the get-go, I was like, all right, we will donate... 50 cents for for every full bus sold and 25 cents for every mini bus sold to this, you know, to to our charitable partner, to the Hunger Project. Um, So baked it in right from the get-go and I hope that we can do more than that in the future but it seemed like something that was steady and I fund that separately Mm -hmm. so that Hey Tiger can fulfil that responsibility before it's profitable. Um, But then once Hey Tiger is running steady... And it is making enough money itself to pay those donations itself. Mm-hmm. Then it can declare a dividend. This is tell me if this no, is this getting is too good. deep and boring. I'm enjoying this. It can declare a dividend, and that yeah. dividend goes up to Give Tiger, okay, sure. which owns Hey Tiger. Sure. And then Give Tiger can distribute that out to the Hunger Project, which is it can only distribute it out to DGR status tra- charities. Okay, mm. sure. Do you have to have, like, the, the Hunger Project to accept that money? Do they need to be a beneficiary of the trust or anything? Or there's nothing like it can just any charity? No, it Ancient. can be any charity. Like, we've partnered with the Hunger Project and mm-hmm. we've committed to a minimum of $80,000 per year for the next three years. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm about to start coughing and oh, I've drunk all my water. Oh, no. We can, get, um, <laughs> we can get 97 on that. We'll finish up. No, don't you. worry. We'll be fine. Um so we've done that and I can't even remember what the question you're asking. Yeah, so in regards yeah. to all the, the, the structures. Now we're going to move on to corporations and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> breakdowns yeah. of um, business structures. Of IPOs. Talk to me yeah. about IPOs. <laughs> no, uh, so what's the, um, what is the tangible, what does it look mm-hmm. like from a tangible level? So it's like you've got the cash, what, is, what are you actually going to be doing in those communities? So um, the Hunger Project runs a really holistic program. It's everything from um, microloans. Mm-hmm for farmers, primarily women farmers, um, so that, you know, oftentimes it takes a very small amount of money. So, for instance, um, something that can work very well is that um, they might buy a cow. They might get a microloan to buy a cow. They can then sell the milk or, you know, worst case, eat the cow or, you know, like basically, you know, they, they have another revenue source if their cocoa yield is low or if something goes wrong with their cocoa, there's a drought, yeah. whatever it might be. Um There's HIV AIDS education, which is a really big deal because um, oftentimes, you know, it's a there are very, very high um, rates of HIV AIDS in those areas and um, family members die and it can spread very, very easily without the right education in place. And when there's not enough people to, you know, tend farms, it can be an issue. So it all kind of, it all ties in. There's yeah. early childhood education, there's education mm-hmm. for adults, um, there's um, education on farming practices. Um, there is a broad array of things but what's interesting about it is that they all when when you dive deep into it they all work together to create this really holistic program that facilitates a community to lift themselves out of poverty 
on their own terms mm -hmm. because a Ghanaian-led team will go into this community and they'll do that education program for, you know, like, you know, 20 animators and then they will go out into the community and they will teach all the women about um, early childhood nutrition, for instance, you know, what they can be eating from the land which will keep them all going if there is a time when they don't have the money to buy other foods. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then, and then those women will tell other women and they'll tell other women and it's kind of viral. Yeah. So it's, it's, re it's awesome. the best program I've come across. That's yeah, amazing. Honestly. Well, really thank cool. you so much for coming on. Oh, it's a pleasure. It was good fun. Yeah. Uh, Cyantade, thank you for coming on. Hey Tiger is the chocolate brand. Yeah. And uh, and now you've seen the face of the audio jungle voice. <laughs> See you tomorrow, guys. Have a good one. See you guys. Thanks.